now playing. Why so serious? What is the matrix? Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? No, oh, what's in the box? He likes scary movies. What does Marcellus Wallace look like? You talking to me? You talking to me? Movie reviews in 20 Qs. Hello, good people, and welcome to the triumphant return of the podcast Movie Reviews in 20 Qs. I am one of your co-hosts, Sam Hurley, and I am joined this week by Stacey Hurley. How are you, Stace? I'm great, thanks, Sam. I'm excited to be back and reviewing a different kind of movie. Yes, that's right. As part of our return, Stacey picked the film that we were going to do, and she picked a film that I probably normally would not have picked. Exactly. I thought it was time for us to see a rom-com and do something a little less marvel-y. <laughs> well, it's always good. You know, variety is the spice of life and all that. No third guest for us this week. Unfortunately, we tried to rope in one of our usuals, Kahu Tapsel, but unfortunately didn't want to come see it. A good little bit of trivia to Ryan and Amy, who we recently met and told us how much they loved our show. Uh, the reason why we tried to get Kahu to do this is because his wife Sarah actually made him read the book. Yeah, and that was that was enough to put him off. He didn't even bother watching the movie. So, God, God Kahu, come on. <laughs> Said the book was shit, but still managed to finish it. Surprised he didn't want to go see the film. <laughs> I can't say Stacey's ever forced me to read a book. No. Oh, when you tried to get me to read that Dianetics book of Scientology, that was a bit weird. <laughs> there's, some, there's real good ideas in here, babe. <laughs> okay, Stacey Cruz. We have moved completely off the topic of what we were supposed to be talking about, which is Crazy Rich Asians. Mm. Anyway, we'll just move right back. So if you haven't heard this podcast before, what we do is we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. Usually when we have our third guest, we go 10 questions that we answer every podcast, and then we do three personal questions and finish with a question that we've ever asked our listeners or, you know, one that we've, one of our patrons has thrown at us and we've got saved up. This week, though, it's going to be a little bit different. We are going to do 13 questions, and then when we're going to do three personal questions and one question that has been thrown to us by a fan quite some time ago for another film, but we're going to recycle news for this one. But uh, before we do that, we get into our ratings for the movie. We give them a score out of 10,000. Now, Stacey, as someone who read the book and really enjoyed it, what would you give the movie Crazy Rich Asians as a score out of 10,000? I'm going to give it 7,123. That is a lot higher than I was expecting from what you've been saying so far. Yeah, I think it, it's like an average movie. It's fine. There was nothing in it that highly offended me. But there's nothing in it that made me go, ooh, I love that or I need to watch it again. Yeah, I kind of agree with you, Stacey. Objectively, there's nothing wrong with this film. But it's just not my type of film that I would go and see. I'm not much of a rom-commer, and yeah, I'd give it 5,432. Performances are fine, the story's fine, it's just not my type of film. Fair enough, Sam. So the current score on Rotten Tomatoes is 93%. Fuck me dead. Yeah, that's quite high, but IMDb has it at 7.6 out of 10. Oh, dead me fuck, yeah. And Metacritic at 74%. That's some great scores for Crazy Rich Asians. So for those who haven't seen the movie or aren't going to see it, here's a quick rundown on the plot. Rachel Chu is happy to accompany her longtime boyfriend Nick to his best friend's wedding in Singapore. She's also surprised to learn that Nick's family is extremely wealthy and he's considered one of the country's most eligible bachelors. Thrust into the spotlight, Rachel must now contend with jealous socialites, quirky relatives and something far, far worse. Nick's disapproving mother <laughs> see I, I sort of take umbrage with that because 
the trailer painted as that as this future daughter-in-law versus mother, but it's not like that at all. The, no. <laughs> their fighting and conniving and schemes don't even come into play until the, like, the last quarter, last fifth of the movie. Yeah, it's very tame, isn't it? Oh, mm. it's very tame. Mm. But before we get into too much of a discussion, we'll just run through it with our usual starting question, which is the compliment sandwich. Want to hear one thing good, one thing bad, and one thing good about this film? Lead us off, Stacey. One thing good, it's just a light-hearted, easy-to-watch rom-com. My bad thing is that... It's a light-hearted, easy-to-watch rom-com. <laughs> As always, when you've read the book... No matter how good the movie adaptation is, it's just never as good as the book. You can't go as deep into the characters. You can't have all the characters in the movie. You can't have the entire story in the movie. So therefore, it just left me a little bit disappointed in the movie. And I've got one other bad thing is for my liking with a movie with a bold name like Crazy Rich Asians, I wanted way more crazy and way more rich. Interesting. And my final good thing is for a rom-com, it had a really large cast which i really love it got little snippets of different interesting characters coming in so i really liked that oh cool uh the good thing for me is i like the way that there's a lot of cultures around the world that are having outpouring a love for this film because they're seeing themselves up on the big screen in hollywood which similar to what we had experienced earlier this year with black panther it's good i think you know there's more than enough space for everyone to have themselves represented in hollywood it doesn't need to be the same white, over six foot tall dude who saves the day and gets the girl and all that sort of shit. Absolutely not. I totally agree, Sam. It's probably as exciting as it was for us seeing... Ricky Baker and yeah. Deadpool? Yeah, that's right. Seeing a Kiwi kid up on the big screen. It was really exciting for us. So Yeah, I mean, if you're not planning to go see the film, aside from that one scene at the start where they basically buy out the white uh, hotel from out from underneath the owners because they couldn't get a reservation there or some shit. I mean, those are the only, you know, sort of people of a different race that in the entire film aren't they mm, or yeah. maybe in that scene too where she's teaching at the university mm, yeah true yeah yeah but anyway there's not a lot yeah i mean as i said i'm not a very big romantic comedy fan i find the plot is a little bit too see-through a little bit too easy to pull apart and there were certainly aspects of this that i was uh, okay i'm well known and notorious for seeing twists and turns coming a mile away and one of them was while we were watching i was like that girl that's sidling up to rachel and starting to get really friendly with her she's got ulterior motives and i even said that to stacy and stacy sort of rolled her eyes and was like yes well done (laughs) (laughs) typical and the good thing, yeah, I mean, the acting performances are great. Character named Ollie, he's amazing. He's fun and cool and, you know, adds a bit of pizzazz to the whole thing. Orkafina's not not bad. She's pretty good. Not to forget Michelle Yeoh. Oh. Tell me how you know her, Sam. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which a very 17-year-old Sam had a massive crush, I'll call it, on her. <laughs> the only person I actually recognised in this cast was good old Mr. Chow from The Hangover. Oh, Ken Jeong, yeah. Mm, but he was like one of the poorest performances, I thought, out of everybody. Yeah, he was bizarre. You don't remember Okafina from Ocean's 8? Mm, no. She now has the dubious honour of starring in two of my worst films of this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, least enjoyable. They're not objectively bad. They were just least enjoyable. Hey, look, she's got money in the bank and she's only got one way from here. I have no idea what you mean by that. Like in her career. Up- oh, yeah, yeah. Onwards she's on, and upwards. Yeah, she's on a she's definitely on an upswing. Okay, so question number two, Stacey. Very special because for the first time in our history, we have one of the new premier Patreons, Mr. Phil Joinson. Phil very kindly went on our Patreon and donated a full 
princely sum of $5, and by doing so, he gets to give us a question that is featured permanently in our first 10 questions of every podcast. He's allowed to pick any number between 2 and 9, and he picked number 2. Well, he might be well. He might be second. He's never second in my heart. But what is the question that he's given us, Stacey? <laughs> okay, so this is Phil's question. What item from this film would you definitely want to or not want to be? This one's easy for me. The character uh, played by Aquafina has a very weird and odd brother who loves taking photos of Rachel Chu. And yeah, I would not want to be that guy's cell phone. I could only imagine what sort of things that thing has been looking at and imagining being on the other end of his uh, face fronting camera. There's no way would I want to see what he gets up to. <laughs> no way. Ooh. Okay, so I'm going to pick an item that I definitely would not want to be and that is the bed in the resort that the girls go and stay on for the hens do due to the fact that the mean girls gut a fish and leave it on Rachel's bed for her to find. You don't like being covered in fish guts? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, it's. I know. It's surprising, but that's just how I am. What about that night I came home and found you in a bed full of cod? You need a third person here, Sam, for those <laughs> jokes to get laughed at. <laughs> Oh, Stacey, crack me up. Cool. So as uh, moves us on to question number three, what flavor ice cream is this film? This movie, surprisingly, is it's not banana. We is a, is that That's your answer? Yes. <laughs> Oh, well, you can. This you shit can is bananas. Take, you can still take that if you want to. Well, that's what I'm going with. I'm saying is bananas, and because Okafina uh, brings up that a lot of these people are bananas. They're yellow on the outside and white on the inside. So banana. I really liked that. I'm torn on that statement. One is I personally did not know what a banana was in terms of the slang. It's a fruit that grows on a tree. <laughs> I personally did need the explanation. But then as soon as she gave the explanation, I'm like, oh, God, it would have been so much better if she hadn't and just let people think about it and get it. Oh, so you mean not treat the audience as dumb? sort of? Yeah, like, yeah. Similar to how it's like an Oreo, he's like brown on the outside but white on the middle sort of thing. Yeah. Anyway, I think this movie is hokey pokey flavoured. It has little glints of gold in it, much like... Every house and every piece of accessory that we see in this movie. Yeah. Question number four. If you were a recruitment consultant, what job would this movie be suitable for? This movie would be absolutely perfect for some rich, high-flying CEO's secretarial position. Why a secretarial position? Why not a CEO? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, it's like... Come on, it's, Sam. It's the wives of very successful business people. So it's the partner of a very successful business person who sort of feels like they're entitled and they deserve everything that comes along with that as well. And they're quite sassy and mean and look down their nose at you. It's that. Hmm, interesting. This movie doesn't get a paid job where you need a recruitment consultant. It's going to be a mum, as in the matriarchal makeup. AKA the hardest job in the world. Yeah, exactly. But not one that you get recruited for by an outside person. You do where I grow up. <laughs> anyway. You haven't seen the breeding pits? <laughs> what? <laughs> Continue. Because this movie isn't about family. It's about females holding the family together and sacrificing I don't know, staff. It's visual podcast, Stacey, I know. dancing I, I'm the room. just trying to think of the right words. Sacrificing, sacrificing their happiness. Well. That's what she says in the film. Yeah, sacrificing stuff for, to have a family, raise a family. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel torn. I'm not sure how it came across in the movie. They seemed quite happy. I mean, being 
ultra rich and you know we just didn't see a lot of the males the guys who were making money i guess they were just out making money Okay, question number five. Which subplot from this film would make for its own awesome spin-off movie? I'd like to see a spin-off of Peak Lynn's family, the Goes. They are a new rich family, so they flaunt their wealth and they're a little bit more have a little bit more pizzazz and sassiness to them than the old rich families. So I'd love to see a spin-off of the Goes. So they'd be way more crazy, a little less rich Asian. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Still incredibly rich, though. Yes, exactly. What about you, Sam? I'm picking the cousin that decides to throw the bachelor party for the groomsmen and groom that are in town for the wedding. And they have no idea about the sort of party they're about to go on. And they go on this boat out in the middle of nowhere. There's fireworks. There's Miss Universe pageanteers. There's <laughs> fucking everything. I bet if that guy throws that for an acquaintance's stag do, you can only imagine what he sort of gets up to on maybe New Year's Eve, his own birthday, shit like that. <laughs> that guy is like Mr. Chow, if Mr. Chow was even crazier. He's yeah. awesome. Didn't he have a bazooka or something? And it was yeah. like... He was shooting off fucking Shooting sky off skyrockets <laughs> into the ocean. Well, I don't really know whether to bring this up or not. Could get a bit boring. But in the book, that um, stag do was far crazier and a bit uh, creepier. They actually started off the day by going to a cock fight. What, where they get their cocks out and fight each no. other? No. <laughs> what do you mean? Where, like, birds pretty much fight to the death. With and, their cocks out? And they... <laughs> no. <laughs> and, okay, so, and they did various other activities that were in such poor taste that the groom and Nick, the groomsman, actually had to fake medical emergency to leave the bachelor party. Yeah, because that was a weird transition on that day. Eh? They were just suddenly on this island, and you. Yeah, yeah. So in the book, they were like, "Wow, we need to we need to get out of here, but we don't. We need an excuse where Bernard can't argue with it. You know, if you go, oh no, we just want to go and have a few beers on a quiet, beautiful island. Everyone else would hassle the shit out of you, and they wouldn't let you leave, right? Yes, yeah, so you need to come up with a great excuse. Yeah, yeah. So they actually faked a medical emergency and had to get chop it out. Like when immediately. I'm like when we have parties, and I'm. Too awkward to ask people to leave. I set fire to the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Oh no! Shit! I've revealed yeah. my big plan. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's gonna know now. Exactly. I mean, we needed to see some more crazy stuff like that in there, eh? Yeah, I agree. Th- that cargo ship bachelor party was the only crazy thing, really. Yeah, it was a cargo pa- a cargo ship out in international waters where there was no rules. We saw them let off one firework, and that was about it. Dancing with a whole bunch of... Uh, yeah, we didn't even see anyone doing drugs or anything. Question six. What deep philosophical debate arose in you during this film? Why did a woman who's overly protective of her son and doesn't want him marrying an American Chinese girl because she wants him to come back to Asia and run the family business, surely she's had that in her mind for quite some time, why did she send him to school in England and then he's off working a job in America? Kind of doesn't make any sense if you're so all about tradition and wanting to keep it at home. Bit weird. So I, I don't know what her sort of brain pattern or thoughts on that were. Yeah, is he an only child in the movie? He's got heaps of cousins, eh? But it didn't seem like he had a brother or sister. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry. Hmm. Very weak, this family. Mm. <laughs> the threads that bind it. Anyway... Okay, so my debate was, in this day and age with social media, and just media in general as it is, how did Rachel have no clue that she was going out with 
basically Singapore's hottest bachelor. Oh, that's a good one. As we He's saw, like multi-billionaire, eh? Yeah, that's right. And as we saw at the start of the movie, they were just at a cafe having a coffee and someone spotted him from behind, took a photo and then posted it on social media to say, hey, guess what? I just saw Nick. He was with this chick. And the whole of Singapore knew about it instantaneously. How, the whole how... of Southeast Asia was tweeting about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They so... got back to his aunties within milliseconds. Exactly. So how could Rachel not, you know, this isn't there six degrees of separation across the whole world, even in a massive city like New York, surely? Yeah, that's right. I, I was thinking that as well. I was thinking at least one person would have stopped them in the street and be like, oh my God, it's you. Mm. And she would have known at some point something was a bit odd. Yeah. Not I... getting on a plane and having first class flights after being together for over a year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you realised within minutes of knowing me that I was not a billionaire, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. You were shouting me drinks and everything. <laughs> exactly. It would have been more believable had she known he was rich, but just not how rich until she got over there. It was very awkward the next time we saw each other and she had to ask for a handbag back. Why are you walking around with a girl's handbag anyway? I need some money! <laughs> Whatever. What's the next question, Sam? Okay, which character just clearly needs to get laid? And I'm going to jump in there. I'm going to go with Grandma. <laughs> Grandma is this grumpy old cow who does a, who loves bloody Rachel to start, but by the end of the movie hates her, all because they find out the back history of Rachel. Astrid, Nick's favourite cousin, needs to get laid. She's extremely, extremely wealthy and really well-respected and well-regarded in the family. But her gabby little husband is cheating on her. You're talking about Gemma Chan, aren't you? Yeah, I think so. In that case, I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> Yeah, she was just way too serious. She needed to be a bit happy. She was just incredibly unhappy the whole movie. Yeah, she needs to go out for a night on the town with a dude from New Zealand who's probably going to get divorced after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't really see you two together, but you never know. <laughs> never can I. Okay, so question number eight. We're putting a twist on our old favourite question here. So this time, instead of telling me how you would incorporate Nicolas Cage into this movie, tell me, yes. Really? Tell me how you would not incorporate Nicolas Cage into this movie. Oh, this is a last minute bloody screwball. How would I not incorporate Nicolas Cage? Okay, so Nick... The crazy rich Asian heir to the fortune. He, we don't see much of his dad in this film. Imagine if his dad was played by Nicolas Cage doing method acting of trying to be a Hong Kong businessman in Yellowface. That is, <laughs> that is how I definitely would not incorporate Nicolas Cage into this film. That would be terrible. Terrible, terrible. Before I get on to my answer, I think that was a massive downfall in this movie is not including Nick's father in the cast for this movie. He was a character in the book. He made Nick make sense and it made he it made the family make sense as well. So anyway. Interesting. Good old book wanker. Okay. How about let's not have Nicolas Cage play Rachel's best friend Peaklin? <laughs> So you mean remove Aquafina and replace her with Nicolas Cage? Yeah, that's right. Imagine Rachel, this intelligent, beautiful, young, you know, fresh 
amazing woman amazing woman being best friends with a crazy Nicolas Cage character come on you're telling me you wouldn't like that scene where Aquafina shows up at the party and then she's got three dresses ready to go on the boot of her car you can't imagine Nicolas Cage jumping out and like ooh I've got my uh, I've got my cocktail dress ready to go ooh I've got my overnight uh, walk of shame dress <laughs> you're telling me you would want to see that I can easily imagine that happening but I wouldn't want to see it in this movie none of would I actually but it would still be pretty awesome to watch <laughs> Okay, so question number nine. What top ten list would you have this movie on? I am going to put this movie on the top ten list of non-Hollywood romantic comedies. Can you name a couple of other ones? No, exactly. So, <laughs> so far, it's number one. <laughs> the Breaker Uppers? Oh, yes, The Breaker Uppers. Muriel's Wedding? Yep. Love Actually? No, no. <laughs> yeah. I am going to go with the top ten romantic comedies where the fallout between the two characters isn't between the guy and the girl. It is a little bit in this film, but it's more between the female and his mother. So rather than your mm. big big standard romantic comedy where they have a misunderstanding and things blow out of proportion and they break up and then three months later they're you know on their doorstep holding up a radio or whatever, we don't, <laughs> we don't have that. It's completely different. Although... You do. There's a double whammy. That happens. Yeah, it is, it is both. And also the mother issue. You know what? But it's through no fault of the, of the two leads is what I'm saying. Okay. Question number 10. Suggest a porn parody name for this film, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> I am just going to go with Horny Rich Asian Invasion. <laughs> I think that Crazy Rich Asians could just be a porn name <laughs> on its own. Crazy Bitch Asians. Crazy Nude Asians. Putting the Asian in a vaginal invasion. What? What about banana split? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Too far. <laughs> okay, so this film is the bastard offspring of a dirty love affair between which two films? Film number one is Devil Wears Prada. Ah, oh, fuck. Just due to the amount of high fashion involved in the movie. You know what? I'm going to cross it with Romeo and Juliet. So that's pretty good. I'm going to take the modern retelling of Romeo and Juliet, which is Meet the Fockers. <laughs> Actually, or Meet the yeah. Parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to go with that. It's got a bit of Meet the Parents in there. <laughs> and The Hangover 2. Because The Hangover 2 was based in Southeast Asia. I mean, it involves a crazy bachelor night. And it's also got Ken Jeong in both films. That's the best I can come up with at the moment. Yeah. No, that's awesome answer, Sam. Well done. There's a lot less tranny sex in this one, though. I feel like (laughs) Hangover 2 was way more crazier. That's the level of crazy I was wanting out of this movie. Yeah, like burning down police stations and whatever else they do in that (laughs) movie. Exactly. Crashing boats into the bloody thing. Question 12. (laughs) What character would you get to help you hide a dead body? Definitely the grandma. She's got some connections. She's crazy rich. She's ruthless as hell. She would be perfect at hiding a dead body. She might not be physically capable of doing it, but she'd have the connections. Yes, she would know someone who knows someone who could be very, very, very discreet about the whole thing. So I'm going with uh, the groom's cousin, Bernard, who organised the stag do. He could just easily push one of those bimbos off the edge of the cargo (laughs) ship. If something bad happened to someone on that ship, doesn't matter. Over man overboard. That's a perfect answer, Stacey. Oh, I like that. Okay, so question number 13. What stereotypical kid at school would this movie be? It's a shy retiring type who's sitting in the back of the class, quiet, reading a book in the library, doesn't really talk to anyone. It's a bit of a wallflower, you reckon? 
Yes, there were some fantastical, amazing events, like the wedding was a real showstopper, the stag do, and a couple of other things. But everything about the people was quite reserved, I felt. Yeah, I'm going to go with that, because it wasn't really that overtly crazy, like as you said earlier. So I'm going to go with, it's the rich kid at school, but you don't know he's rich until... You just notice that he's got all the toys. And when you talk about your holidays, you know, you went to the beach and caught up with your grandma, whereas he flew out to Los Angeles and went to Disneyland and shit like that. You know what I mean? When you're wearing your older brother's and sister's clothes, he's got like a brand new suit sort of thing. Like he is... And his parents pick him up in a rich car. (laughs) Okay, so on to my set of personal questions. Now, the film calls itself Crazy Rich Asians, but what was the most craziest or bizarre part of this film? This is so hard to answer because I didn't think anything was particularly crazy. And I get that they're they're not necessarily trying to say that the people or activities must be crazy. It's just the level of rich that we cannot imagine. And as a result of watching this movie, I still can't imagine the level of richness. I didn't get it. So you didn't find any of these, any parts of this movie like really weird or bizarre? I'll give you my one. I found it incredibly odd at the end there where they find two random women to sit down and play Mahjong with. <laughs> like those two women are just sitting there playing Mahjong. Yeah. Some American woman walks in and says, hey, I'm going to have a showdown with my potential mother-in-law. <laughs> She's just going to come wandering in here in a second and sit down and, oh, you guys don't speak any any uh, English? Okay, sweet. You guys just sit here and play. Cool. And these two women just sit there while these two women verbally spar with each other. Yeah, but the verbal- they would be like, what the hell is going on here? But the tone of voice wasn't over the top. They weren't screaming at each other. They were just having a conversation. Yeah, but it was clearly very tense. The main thing I took out of that scene is I wonder how you play Mahjong. It looks quite interesting. You did say let's play Mahjong when we get home, but yeah. Yeah. Not owning a Mahjong set maybe makes it a bit problematic. Yeah, but anyway, something to add to the list. There was one really ridiculous portion of the wedding day, and that was in the church, prior to the bride walking down the aisle, a small stream of water starts to flow down the aisle. My initial thought was, oh wow, the bride must be coming down the aisle in a gondola or some kind of boat or something crazy like that. Oh, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. But she just stepped out with bare feet and walked down this wet pathway with her dress just flowing behind her in the water. That was cuckoo bananas. She now has to spend the entire rest of the wedding with soaking feet, her and her bridesmaids. Yeah. Good answer this, Dave. Okay, my next question. Which character from this film do you reckon would definitely cheat during a sports game? I think definitely Bernard, the groom's cousin. He's the one who organised the stag do, and he just seems like he would want to win at any expense. That's the easy answer. I'm going with Michelle Yeoh's character, the disapproving mum. Oh, okay. Why is she? She looks like she'd slit a bitch's throat. <laughs> okay, my next question. A lot of the premise of this film is that she doesn't believe that a economics professor, the youngest economics professor or youngest professor at New York University, is good enough for her son. A self-made, wealthy Asian herself, Chinese-American, has managed to do really well for herself and she doesn't think she's good enough. Would you think she's good enough for your son? Well, that depends. Are you talking about me as a person right now or me in the situation of Eleanor? In the situation. Well, that is extremely difficult to say because where Eleanor is coming from is not from a place of personal choice. She's coming from a place of family history and 
and doing the right thing by the family overrides every single other thing in the world in the in the decision making process i think her character is coming from exactly the right place see i don't see i think she's gone through so much shit to get to that even become that wife you know the grandma never liked her her -hmm. husband had to go out and make her own ring i thought she'd be way more sympathetic well maybe she didn't want rachel to go through what she had to go through so you reckon she's trying to be nice to her in a roundabout, weird, backwards kind of way. Interesting. Isn't that one of the major differences? I don't really know a lot about Chinese or Singaporean culture, but definitely in Japan, they go so far out of their way to save face that sometimes it seems like they're being mean and they're trying to be nice, you know. You say that, but they let Spanky into the country. Yeah, see, they were just trying to save face and they pretend to be nice, actually. <laughs> Oh, poor Spanky. He's never going to listen to this one, so who cares? Yeah, exactly. Okay, your questions. In the movie, what do you think one of the best benefits of having all that money was? Uh, You don't have to worry about anything ever. (laughs) Yeah, but they do. They make things to worry about. That's the thing. I think it kind of made money seem evil. Go on. Well, did they seem relaxed and happy to you? The Bernard did. He seemed like he was having a good time. (laughs) Nick did as well. Nick didn't seem like he gave a shit about anything. Yeah, but that's because he's stepped out of it. He's in a different headspace. He's with Rachel living in New York, being independent. Yeah. So there were a couple of twists in this movie. Were there any that genuinely surprised you? It did. There was a couple of things that genuinely surprised me. I thought the grandma was a lovely old lady. I thought she was going to be the one that was going to side on the side of Rachel and be like, come on, she's nice. All that sort of stuff. As we discover at the end, that old lady is ruthless. Yes, she is. She sent the private investigators out. She found out the dirt on Rachel and, uh, yeah, poor old Rach. You know, not only discovered that your love of your life's family absolutely bloody hate you, but you also discovered that your dad isn't your dad and your real dad's alive and your mum's been lying to you your entire life. Yeah, I actually found... Drama! I actually found that twist really interesting. It just highlights how important family and family ties are to the Singaporean rich people. Mm. And my last question is, what character do you think is secretly an alien? I am going to go with Aquafina. Really? Yeah, there's something uh, just odd and kooky about her. No, Aquafina's brother. He's definitely got something up with him. I think her whole family does. Okay, her entire family are aliens. There we go. <laughs> and we, we'll find out more in the spin-off. Sent down to observe Earth. That's a spin-off movie. Crazy rich Asian aliens. Cra. <laughs> anyway, thanks for your question, Stacey. That moves us down to the final question. And this question came courtesy of Tara Mollick. She sent this to us a number of months ago, back before our hiatus. She wanted it thrown in on the Top Gun uh, podcast. Unfortunately, didn't meet the cuts, but we've chucked it into this one. She wants to know what type of combo platter is this film? Definitely involves noodles. And spring rolls. <laughs> it's definitely a Southeast Asian flavour. I what are those like Money bags. Money bags, that's what it is. It's <laughs> money bags, it's spring rolls, it's noodles. Yeah. It's ramen. Oh it's, my god, so delicious. I am I'm getting really so hungry, hungry right now. <laughs> it's fur. <laughs> It's some Vietnamese fur. It's a whole bunch of delicious Asian cooking. Tom yum. Mm. As they, and the reason why we're talking about this is they all go out for dinner one night and they go to food stalls which actually have Michelin stars. 
And what? Do you not remember? They go out for food, and uh, Nick says to her, "This is the only place in the world where these food trucks have Michelin stars." Oh my god! I missed that line. And- Sorry. But and man, that food looked amazing. That was the night before they uh, all went out on their stag do's and stuff. Yeah, it was when they f- the f- when they first arrived in Singapore. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Oh, that food yeah. looked delicious. I, I remember at the end of that scene thinking they all had big like kind of pints of beer, and then a whole table full of thousands of plates of food with these four skinny people. And I'm thinking, they're never going to eat all of that food. What a waste. Yeah, I know. This is how you've forgotten it. It's made you so bloody hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to go now. Funnily enough. Are we, we done? How this, bizarre was this? We actually went out for Vietnamese before this. Yeah, we, we did. We went Vietnamese and then we went to watch a movie called Crazy Rich Asians. I think we should move to Asia, Sam. What do you think? Keen. Absolutely keen. I loved Malaysia when we went there, but haven't been to Singapore and I think we should go. Gemma Chan, I still volunteer myself as tribute. Let's do it. Oh, okay. I got off. <laughs> but I'm too sure there's too many ginger Asians. There's a lot of ginger in Asian food, but I don't know if there's too many ginger Asians. <laughs> a lot of bald Asians. I'd, I'd look quite good as a Buddhist monk, I reckon. Yeah, you'd fit right in. As I got told quite often in Cambodia, I do look like uh, Happy Buddha. Yeah, Happy Buddha. Apparently Happy Buddha statues are depicted as having quite a round tummy on him, ha- happy being that he's full of food. So quite often people would come up to me, see my bald head, see my round tummy, pat me on it and go, Happy Buddha, Happy Buddha, and then walk off. I was, <laughs> I was a blessing dispensary. you were like that all the time when i pat you on your tummy you don't like it you say why are you doing that that's what you do to dogs yeah i turn into snappy buddha (laughs) (laughs) anywho that moves us to the end of our podcast now what we do at the end of our podcast we do move reviews in 20 seconds where we get through the stuff that we've been watching recently that we don't have the time to do an entire podcast for one film that we went and saw recently was Black Klansman, but we're not going to talk about that because we are considering doing that as an upcoming podcast. But uh, let me just say 10,000 out of 10,000. That movie is fucking awesome. Classic Movie Friday, which is usually Classic Movie Sunday, sat down and watched Touch of Evil. Uh, Orson Mao's written and directed from the part of his career where he's fucking eating himself to death. Great film for its time. Wasn't that impressed with it. Probably 7,892. Another movie that we did was part of Classic Movie Sundays was The Great Dictator, the Charlie Chaplin classic from 1940, uh, where in which he basically ripped the piss out of Adolf Hitler and all the crazy shit that he was doing. And uh, amazing film. It's got an incredible dialogue at the end of it. She even speaks to our current times, which is telling us, let's actually just be nice to our people, regardless of our colour or creed. Let's actually mm. treat each other as uh, people rather than be complete arseholes to them. That was a really surprising movie. It takes a little bit to get your head around because it's got two opposing stories running through it and it's not till quite near the end you find out what's actually going on. Yeah, yeah. And we've been watching a lot of community, so yeah, we can't really review I saw Mamma Mia. It was actually much better than I thought it would be. Shea is tacky, but she can still sing and she looks pretty good for someone who's 70. And what do you give that as a score of 10,000? 7,122. If there's a long list of movies that I would definitely not do on this podcast, that is one of them. (laughs) Exactly. So maybe it's a reason why you should. And that takes us down to the end of our podcast. I'm not even going to dignify that with an answer. So if you've enjoyed the show and you want us to review a movie that's coming up or one that's been out for some time, or if you've got a suggestion for a question you want thrown at us, or if you want to become a permanent rotation in our question round, like the amazing Phil Joynson did. Come on, let's have a round of applause for Phil Joynson. Come on. <laughs> Thank you, good sir. Thank you for becoming our first 
$5 Patreon and getting your question there. I absolutely love your question. And this movie probably didn't use get to exploit it as much as I'd like to have. But uh, I think we're going to have some fun with that coming up, aren't we, Stace? Yeah, absolutely. But if they want to get a hold of us, Stace, where they find us? So we are on Twitter at Movie Reviews In. You can send us an email at mritqs at gmail.com. We do have a Facebook page, Movie Reviews In 20Qs. And yeah, so from then. Thanks everyone. See you later. Goodbye.